Welcome to Photoactive, a podcast about photography and technology. I'm Kirk McElhern. And I'm Jeff Carlson. You can find show notes, including any photos we discuss in this episode at photoactive.co. That's photoactive.co. Today, we're very happy to welcome two guests, Tom Watson and Stefan Borsche. These two gentlemen built glass. If you haven't heard of glass, you probably will soon when it becomes more important than Instagram. Tom and Stefan, thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having us. Happy to be here. So glass is a photo app. It's a photo sharing app kind of like what Instagram was back in the day. And this launched last year, and it's it's minimalistic, and you see photos, and you don't see stories, and you don't see lots of text. And you designed it for photographers. Would I be wrong in saying because Instagram has gotten so bad? Um, I don't know if that's exactly right, but I think that they're uh... – shift away from photographers has definitely helped us uh, become of more interest to photographers and to look for alternatives. Uh, so you maybe maybe that's the right way to to phrase it for us. But yeah. we I got pretty inspired to work on something like Glass back in 2013 uh, when I uh, had left. I used to work at Facebook um, and saw that there was this opportunity to work on something really truly for photographers, the, for the photography community um, that uh, Facebook had bought Instagram in 2012. And it just really seemed like this inevitability of needing to chase further and further growth. And we wanted to create something that didn't require um, exponential growth, but was really focused specifically on the photography community itself. Um, so that's what, what led to Glass. And something that didn't focus on engagement, because that's the big thing with Facebook and Instagram. You got to like, you got to like, you got to comment and all that. And while you can appreciate photos on glass, you don't call it like, and you can post comments, that's not what drives it. What drives it is looking at beautiful photos. That's correct. And I think like we want you to be engaged. We want you to be a member of the community, but it's not meant to hook you and addict you into sort of an engagement casino where you're just constantly feeling pulled back into the app to always, always, always have to be commenting, liking, posting. And, you know, the entire uh, difference between that is based in our business model. We, it's a subscription business. So, you know, there's a small fee to use glass, but, because of that, we don't have tracking. We don't have this requirement to keep you constantly hooked and engaged. We just want you to love the product and we can speak directly to our consumers. We don't have an advertiser model, so we don't need to keep your eyeballs glued to glass in order to keep you coming back in order to sell ads to advertisers who end up being the customers for these larger platforms. And so, that's where the fee comes in, but there's there's great results from that, and it really is a different model. Yeah. So when it first launched, there was no appreciation, and just for listeners who haven't used it yet, um, basically when you see an image that you'd like, you can just tap a little appreciate button, and it's sort of like a like, but it's not – it's not really driven in the same way. And I have to admit, when I first started using it, and that feature wasn't there. It was purely, here are some pictures, and you follow people, and you see what they have. There was a little part of me that sort of missed that 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 little dopamine hit of, <laughs> of engagement. And it was really weird because I like 
that aspect of Instagram to be able to say, oh, I like this shot or when somebody else gives a bunch of likes on your photos, like there's just that you know sense of, oh, hey, wait, maybe I am an actual photographer. Somebody likes it, even if it's my mom and four other people. <laughs> and so my first experience with glass was intentionally getting over that because my mind wanted that little hit and I had to like stop and pause and find photographers and look at photography. And I really enjoyed that aspect of it. And at the same time, I am really glad that we have this limited appreciation because now you can get a little bit of that hit and see who else is liking it, which I find is helping me to find other photographers more because you see somebody else liked your thing. Oh, I'm going to go check them out. There's no question here, unfortunately, (laughs) (laughs) other than I like the model and I'd be curious to know how you found that balance of some sort of engagement but not the whole – mess that is, oh, geez, everything is built on that engagement. I could talk at length of this, but Stefan, do you want to do this one since I've been rambling <laughs> on for a few? Um, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I think it's a very uh, delicate balance right right between the two. And um, what we initially set out to do with appreciations is um, address like the very like short, like one word comments that we saw where people just say like, oh, nice or cool or great shot. And that's that's kind of it. And we kind of felt like um, having some mechanism like uh, uh, appreciations will help um, uh, uh, speed that process up a little bit, so it's a little bit quicker to to give your appreciation to a, to a photo like that, without going into like, oh, um, how many likes does this photo have compared to the other one? Or uh, I see this photo by this photographer. Let me go try and check out like how many likes they got on this shot to kind of figure out like how good it actually is. Uh, um, or how good it actually landed in the in the community, and I think trying to balance between those two is kind of how we ended up with the model that we have right now, where an appreciation is kind of like a private nudge between you and the photographer, right? The photographer can see that you liked it, but nobody else. Uh, but it's still the quick way of of providing feedback. When did Glass launch? Was it August September last year? Yeah, it was towards the end of August of last year. So we're actually. Just uh, probably when this comes out, maybe almost to the six-month mark. Yeah, we've got some big news coming for the six-month anniversary, so we're we're very excited for 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 new things to come, and we're happy to talk about them in a bit. But yeah, okay, we're just at the six-month mark. Jeff and I both joined very early on when it was invitation only, and because both of us had been looking for this, so I use Instagram. I was talking to someone this weekend who's younger than me who uses Instagram the way younger people use Instagram, and he's talking about you know stories and the Explore tab and all this. And I'm like, I use Instagram to look at photographers. I don't need it for influencers. I don't care about that. And I was so happy when this came out. There was something. Who remembers two, three years ago? Someone tried to create a social network for photography on iOS, similar kind of thing that didn't um, last long yes okay so there uh, was a thing i still have it but yes. there have been several um that, that are sort of like come and go and the the difference with glass is when i look at my feed i see photos i see a photo i see another photo i don't see information about the photo i swipe right to see a little bit more i tap to see more i can see what camera someone's used and some of the exif data and while i generally think that exif data is useless because knowing the exif data for a photo doesn't mean that i can reproduce the photo what i do find interesting is seeing the cameras that people use and tom you and i have the same camera though like a q2 monochrome 
Um, and, oh, I love that camera. Yeah. And and as I've been looking, particularly black and white photographers, I like to see what cameras they're using or if they're f- using film, et cetera. And I find that aspect is obviously geared toward photographers, something that you don't get on Instagram. Yeah, that was an intentional choice to we, – we understand like exit data. Like you said, there's there's a lot of like – how how much value does it add? But it, it was a clear signal to our photographers that this is a place for photography. Um, and then we, we'd love to be able to add, you know, future things like being able to, uh, one of my favorite features of Flickr back in the day when I used to use it regularly, or at least more regularly, was to be able to see what uh, photos were taken with a particular type of camera. So I can kind yes. of see how the lens worked or how the camera worked. And we'd love to start to offer those sorts of features in the future. Um but yeah, it was it was really interesting. I also find like certain things like uh, when someone takes uh, a photo with a really long lens and you see the compression and you can like see that in the XF data. And I'm like, oh, wow, it's a 300 millimeter lens. So like that's a big lens to get that that landscape compression. And there's learning in that XF data that we didn't yeah. want to, to hide. No, I, f- I find that approach very interesting. And we we should say that you have been extremely responsive to user comments and feedback and feature requests, and you've iterated a lot since you launched this six months ago. Yeah, we can go through the the list, but let me, let me make sure I I don't miss too much. Um, well, don't tell so us everything, can... but you did say there's going to be some new features for the six-month anniversary. And if I'm not mistaken, you've been teasing uh, web access for Glass. Yeah, Stefan, do you want to talk a little bit about web access where I make sure I hit a few of the highlights of the stuff that we've launched since, which is, we're really proud of our product development speed. And so, you know, that's that's one thing. But go ahead, Stefan. Yeah, yeah. Stefan's our one-man back one. engineer slash, yeah, engineer. One-man one web engineering <laughs> team, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, um, I, I, think, I think web is going to be a really important one for us because up until now, um, we've been really um, locked into into the Apple ecosystem, right? So you need to you need the app to explore uh, explore Glass and to use Glass. And I think ultimately we want to venture out of that a little bit more. Um, so um, uh, our first step is offering uh, the whole Glass experience within in in the browser. So you can just uh, use it from your Mac. You can just still log in with the same method, uh, but you use your same uh, same Glass account. And then in the future, we would really love to expand that with uh, offering more ways of logging in and more ways to uh, um, to get a subscription to Glass as well. So we can really open it up outside of the ecosystem and also let in uh, PC and Android uh, uh, users. And the, the difference, obviously, is any nice photo on a phone is still limited to the size of the phone. And being able to see them on the web is going to be, you know, it, it's going to be a much more beautiful experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I use it day to day. I think I use it more than the app now uh, because it's it's such a it's so great to see all these great these great pieces of photography on such a large uh, large screen. It's it's a really different experience. So yeah, I, I can wait to get that into the hands of our uh, yeah. Our community. Yeah, we wanted to launch with you know an experience on the phone because mobile and mobile photography, and it's just kind of an expected. We wanted a premium iPad or excuse me iPhone experience to start with, but now, you know, like seeing things in the big screen is really where we, we've always wanted to go. Uh, and yeah, so briefly, since we've done a lot of stuff, we did, we launched categories since launch. Then we added public profiles so you can, and this is visible on the web today. So if you turn on your public profile, you can share your public profile. So it's almost like a bit of a, a mini portfolio for you as a photographer. We started launching highlights. If you go to the website, you can see like all of the, we like to highlight members of our community and really like want to make this feel like an authentic space. We don't do 
like, you know, an algorithmically generated feed or try to like learn from you. We really try to make it more authentic. And so we highlight members we think are doing incredible work. Um, then we started adding monthly categories. So each month you get like a, a little, a little, um, special category to post to that that's unique for that month. And we've, we've been keeping them around because people have been so into each one that we've added. Uh, it sort of keeps it limited, but we can try stuff out, uh, because a lot of members have asked for different things. And then, of course, like Jeff mentioned, the appreciations. I remember before you started launching categories, you asked people what categories they'd want. And you were trying to keep it to a minimum. And it's really important not to have 100 categories. So there's a real balance in this sort of thing in meeting the needs and desires of everyone, but not making it too much of a, you know, a salad, a word salad. Yeah, we really felt like hashtags they have, they're, they're an interesting way of exploring and can be powerful in its own way, but they often can be focused so much on influencers and like catching your own hashtag and really trying to like dive into it. But for us, we wanted the categories to be very specific to photography and to try to get that right mix of, you know, not too many, but enough. And, you know, we, I think we started with 24 and then we've been slowly adding or maybe it was 20. And so I don't think we want to go too huge, but we've got a number of months before we really hit that, <laughs> hit that threshold. See, yeah. one thing I find useful about hashtags is when I post photographs on Instagram, I'll put hashtags for the camera I've used and I'll search yep. for hashtags for camera. The way you're talking about Flickr, back in the day, you'd look on Flickr. Oh, I want to buy this lens for my camera. Let's see how it looks on Flickr. And mm -hmm. I find that a useful element. So maybe can you um, make the camera model and the lens searchable in the future rather than hashtag, something like that. Yeah, it's definitely yeah, on our wish list. Yeah. 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 It's something we really want. We personally have wanted it for quite a while. So it's, it's something we're working on. But like we, like I mentioned, uh, Kirk and Jeff, like we're the big surprise, but hopefully won't be because we're, we're shooting the launch in the next week or so is that we, we're going to be bringing glass to iPad. And it's definitely our um, favorite medium to consume with right now, uh, especially since you're Apple listeners, you know, it's like yep. an Apple and photography podcast. Mm -hmm. It's incredible to use the iPad and just experience glass in that full, like, and touch and high res and P3. I love the desktop experience on web and it's so yeah. great, but boy, the iPad device and I've, glass is so yeah. special. I've got the iPhone app on my iPads and, you know, you touch the little thing to make it double size to, and it's just, it just yeah. feels like it's just not, it's just trying, but it can't do it. Right. It doesn't yeah. take advantage of the, the whole space that's available. So we've done a full native experience where you can still experience all of the iPad, right. Um, there and rotating and you've got your profile and all of the all the stuff that that we brought to the iphone um it's been it's been a huge amount of work but we're really really excited is it a lot of work in the hands of our members is it, is it a lot of development work to to take i mean you've already got the app to to fit it in a different size of a frame is that a lot of work stefan a, a little bit um i mean a lot of a lot of the stuff is, uh, is obviously reusable but um Especially if you start um, using a completely different layout for how you want the photos to be organized or um, how you want the profile to be organized, and yeah, that, that's where uh, some of the custom work starts to come in, and some of the transitions are different, or some of the you know things like preference screens are specifically designed for certain viewports size mm. and the bigger viewport size. So uh, yeah, 
I remember back in the day, Apple developers would mock Android developers for having to deal with so many different screen sizes. But now when you look at the various iterations of iPhone and iPad, there are so many different screen sizes. But I guess it's like the iOS frameworks are a lot more comfortable for that, right? You don't have to redefine things for all the different models, do you? Um, I, I don't think so. Um, so the the, um, the iOS and iPad apps are... Uh made by uh, contractors that we that we work with so that's not something that i, I personally uh, uh work on day to day um but yeah I, I, I believe you're right we're not programmers so we're no. gonna, <laughs> we're just a, curious but i do have a technical question i've never actually paid attention to this because the app just makes it invisible but when i upload a photo are you resizing resampling it the photo that gets stored if it's been resized to look really good on an iPhone screen, is that just going to be blown up on the iPad and the web? How are you handling the scaling? Because as we all know, you post something on Facebook and you might get something that looks like what you uploaded. <laughs> but not, not to mention often, the way it's cropped. It, it, yeah, it, it's often cropped poorly or chunky quality. How are you handling the resolution of it, especially now that you're expanding to larger sizes? Yeah, we've been very intentional about that from the start uh, because we, we knew that this problem was going to come up rather sooner than later. Mm -hmm. um, so what we do is when you, when you upload your photo, we don't resize it on a device. and We don't resize it when we store it. So we just store like the original pixels and original bytes that you send us. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I think the, the drawback of doing that is that it obviously costs a little bit more storage, uh, right? Because it costs more than, to store like a 20 megabyte photo than a, a 500 kilobyte uh, uh, photo. Right. Um, but I think... If I look at you know the the product that we're building and the community that we're building around it, and uh, the fact that we're not going for a oh this is like a mass consumption app right where we have like millions of viewers for like one creator it's like it's a little bit different than that it's a little bit more creator oriented so the the amount of viewers is going to be lower consumption is going to be different so I think we can afford uh, the extra uh, cost that we're making there so. Um, Storage is a little bit more expensive, but what we do is whenever we serve you a photo, we uh, resize it on the fly for whatever device you're you're using. Uh, so on your phone, we'll send a little bit less pixels over the over the wire. But if you look at it on your uh, computer, we have bigger versions that we can we can serve to you. We, we try to kind of strike a balance between um, what can we serve you fast uh, and what can mm -hmm. we serve you afterwards. So for example, if you uh, open up your profile on the web, you'll notice that when you click on a photo and you have like the, the browser on full screen, it will first load a fast version. And then while it's it, it will load a, a high resolution uh, version in the background and it will kind of flip over to the high res version mm. uh, um, eventually. So okay. yeah, that, that's kind of the, the strategy that we use to make sure that we can serve very high resolution versions, but not overspend too much. Yeah. Okay. And because one of the nice things about the app is, you know, being able to to see something small and then tapping it and having it uh, enlarge and be able to scroll through it, which I think is a really elegant implementation of zooming because there are times when you want to – like I want to look in and see what that detail is and it's clearly not just here's my uh, 2,000 pixel image that's just been blown up so I could just see larger pixels. Yeah, that's right. Like we, we specifically optimize so that each each viewport or zoom or level, we try to serve you the correct number of pixels to optimize for bandwidth, so we can afford to do this. 
Um, one thing that's changed, you know, in technology over the years is we're such a small team and, you know, we don't need a huge number of members to support this smaller team and things like Amazon Web Services and, um, you know, like different frameworks and uh, technology stacks have gotten a lot more advanced to let us do things smaller so we can we can provide a service for these for photographers that is more trusted, more stable, more long term. Uh, it wasn't just I mean, in the days of Flickr, you know, they got sold to Yahoo and then they've been sold to SmugMug and like these these things come and go. And oftentimes people miss that technology like these companies take on huge amounts of venture capital funding in order to become this big thing. And in order to be that big thing, they have to build a product that's mass market different and not focused on a group of people. And I think Instagram originally was for the, was for photographers. It was this, this member, like this, the small little app for ph photographers and it grew to be huge. And then Facebook purchased it. And then it, and then that, but that was always the intent of, of um, Kevin and Mike to, to build something that big. And, you know, we're really, we want Glass to be long-term sustainable. We want it to be large members. We want our membership to be active, engaged, not with addictive engagement, but engaged and really thoughtful, but we don't want it to be the next Instagram. You know, we, we want it, we, we want it to stay what it is true to its roots. So you really uh, aren't seeking world domination. No, just to be clear, Kurt, okay. yes, not world <laughs> <laughs> And any time a service gets venture capital, the goal of the venture capitalist is to is to up the value as quickly as possible and then flip it. It's not to build a long term service. So you're obviously working in the opposite direction from the trend. Can you say how many members you have already? We don't talk about like specific numbers of members, but we're we did mention early on that we're about halfway to our like goal of long-term sustainability and we're really happy with that we're really in six proud months of that's really good yeah mm -hmm. it lets stefan and i work on it mostly full-time and we're really excited so there was definitely an excitement and a need um but we've got a long way to go you know it's 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 now that like we had a big launch and the really exciting stuff and so we've been working you know furiously to continue to yeah build and grow. But the web access could attract more different people, particularly people who aren't using an iPhone or people who just don't like the small screen experience. Absolutely. Are you finding pushback from, from photographers? I mean, not just things like, oh, I really wish you could do this feature, but I'm just sort of wondering if there are things that, that some people are asking for that you're like, we're really not going to do this or we don't really want to go in this direction other than ad engagement and all that kind of stuff. I think there's been a little skepticism because the photography community has been maybe a little burned. You know, some people have felt like, oh, this won't be around in six months or, you know, you're not going, you're not building a big enough engagement community. So it's not going to be you know, sustainable long-term uh, and those sorts of things have come up, but we, you know, we were really doing a different model and we really are committed to it for the long-term. And I think those things help. I think, you know, I wouldn't say pushback, but maybe there's some interest in us exploring, you know, some people maybe want uh, a huge audience, no ads, uh, <laughs> kind of an unsustainable model of business. And we're trying to do something different. Um, and maybe we're a little misunderstood in that we are this, you know, people think of us as a replacement for Instagram. 
but people use Instagram for like, I think Kirk mentioned earlier, so many different things. Yeah. But we're really for photographers and for that specific group of people and to be connected with them. Uh, And one other point on this, the, there are photographers that we want to continue to serve that community better. And, you know, we kind of came at it in the big swath of like community, you know, professional to amateur photographers, people really interested in it. But there's a lot of room for people that, you know, their job is being a photographer and their business is being in the world of photography. And there's more things that we think we can do to help serve that community that we would love to do in the future as well. And that's obviously kind of the opposite of a venture capital business. Like we, <laughs> they, they want to go big and broad and get as many people as possible. And we want to like find and serve this this uh, photographer community itself specifically and more professional photographers and people like, you know, you, you spoke with us a couple of weeks ago with Joe McNally, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Well, you mentioned before that um, you can, we can already share our glass profiles and it's a kind of a portfolio. It would be great if you had some sort of social media sharing button that I could put on my website um, to, you know, glass, see my photos here. Like I've got my Instagram, but I don't have a glass button. I could put a link with the text, but not a button. So that could be the kind of thing that helps spread the idea because I do like that idea of the portfolio. It's much better than an Instagram portfolio. We agree those sorts of things are, are really great. We would love to offer more tools to, to um, you know, customize your, your, your profile, like, you know, organize your photos, those sorts of things. Um, you know, our, our tagline right now is your photography is the point. And I think you guys both highlighted, you know, like we, we use as much pixels as possible in a minimal UI to really yeah. highlight and showcase your, your photography and this move to iPad and, and web, we're, we're, we're bringing back something that we talked about earlier, which is, is your home for photography. And we really want to be that for photographers. And that's a place where you can view and store all of your, you, you know, your photos and then the ones that you're really proud of and really great and then have this great community as part of it and, you know, sort of expand it in that direction. If that's clear, hopefully it kind of, you know, yeah. tightens it up. For us. Are there other things that we haven't mentioned that are, that are coming up in, in this next release? You said iPad and web. I mean, that's a lot. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's just two little words, but we can understand how much there is behind it to make all that work. Yeah, I didn't want to. I mean, we we are we are working on uh, additional features, obviously, in the future. But right now, we're just so focused on those two platforms. It was, you know, a debate whether or not to do more features for iPhone or to like really expand uh, post appreciations like mm-hmm. to the other platforms. We felt that that this was the right approach. Also, to be clear, like you mentioned earlier, we we really try. We have a feedback board. If you go to feedback.glass.photo, yep, um, and our top two most requested feature, uh, features were iPad and web. Yeah. And we really do listen. Like it's, like we, we've kind of kept iPad a secret because we wanted it to be in a fun surprise, but web, you know, we've, we've let you guys, let everyone know about, um, and this it should was, be, it was kind of obvious that that would be in the cards. Well, yeah, except let me open my Instagram app here on my iPad. Oh, <laughs> after years and, and years and, and Instagram years. Instagram <laughs> only recently added the ability to upload photos from the browser a couple of weeks ago, although you could yeah. change your user agent and do it in a browser. But they yeah. they only officialized that very recently. 
yeah, we were a little disappointed we couldn't get there first. I find it interesting how, <laughs> how a big service like that takes so long to do something which which is actually possible because you just change the user agent on the browser. So it's not like there was anything preventing it from from working. Um, my assumption for that, and Stefan, you can jump in anytime, is after working at places like this too, is that you know the focus is on a very different thing. It's not to listen to your customers and to like get feedback. It's engagement. You yeah. look at the the member, like the people that are using your service, and what keeps them engaged. What get, like what's what drives you know like the financial part of the business does drive a lot of the decision making um, for it. And there's balance to be had for sure, but. We were really intentional about choosing our business model because we wanted to do something different. And in order to do something different, we had to choose a different route, which is a long and slower road. It took us, we were working on glass since October of 2019. So it's not like a new, yeah. uh, you know, it only launched six months ago, but it took us quite a while. It was a nights and weekends and passion project for us to get to this point. Yeah. Okay. So it's glass.photo. Tom Watson and Stefan Borsha, thank you very much for joining us. Oh, thank you so much. Okay, Jeff, time for our snapshots. What have you got? I've got a pair of headphones. You've probably heard of these. It's called the AirPods Max. Oh, that's the one in the funny case. That's definitely the one in the funny case. Uh, These are the Apple over-the-head can headphones. I'm sure everybody knows exactly what I'm talking about. And I mention them here because they are expensive. They're kind of ridiculous. but I took a gamble on buying these. Um, I, I will admit I also had uh, some you know, Apple Store credit built up, so that, that kind of helped blunt the cost. I mean they're like $500, $600 uh, headphones. But they have absolutely been worth it using it over several months. And the reason is because of Apple's little chip that they build into this that lets it talk to other Apple devices much easier over Bluetooth. And for that alone, not counting the audio quality, which I find to be perfectly fine. I'm not a real audiophile, but it sounds fine to me. But the fact that it can just connect to my devices almost seamlessly with very little interaction makes a huge amount of difference because the, the Bluetooth headphones that I've had in the past, perfectly fine. But sometimes they would connect. Sometimes I'd have to reconnect and it became such a daily hassle that I said, forget it. I'm just going to spend the money. I'm going to get the Apple things and they have been great. So with the caveat that, yes, they are expensive, personally, I found it to be absolutely worth it, especially for somebody like me who uh, you know, listens to music a lot. I, I spend a lot of my day working in headphones, especially when my wife and I are sharing an office and she's working behind me. Uh, absolutely worthwhile. Kirk, what do you have? Well, let me just say that I bought the AirPods Max last June. Mm. And while I don't think the musical quality is great, it is Bluetooth and it's compressed, what I really like is watching a movie in surround sound on an iPad with them. Yes. Because you get the real feel of the surround sound. Not not with not the head tracking thing I don't like. Like when you turn to the right and the character moves to the left, right, as if you're – as if – they're speaking to you from the iPad. I don't like that, mm-hmm. so you can turn that off. Mm-hmm. But the surround sound is just wonderful. It really is excellent. I don't use them for much else. I don't use them much for music. Um, but for that alone, uh, they're great devices, but expensive. Yeah. All right, so I've got something here. This is in a box that I have not even taken the shrink wrap off of yet. This is a 
XP Pendeco Mini 7W graphics tablet. Oh, interesting. Now, I've never used a graphics tablet. Um, I've mentioned recently I've been using Capture One with photos from my Leica Q2 monochrome. And Capture One does these webinars every now and then. And the guy who does them works with a graphics tablet. So there was one about layers. And he was showing how he was drawing masks using brushes with the graphics tablet. And I realized, wow. That's a good idea. I mean, I'm only 20 years late to the party with a graphics <laughs> tablet, right? But it looks like it's going to be so much easier to do things. Like I'm really interested in, in dodging and burning these monochrome photos, and this is much easier than using the trackpad or the mouse. The reason I picked this brand is I was looking up some information on YouTube, and I saw someone giving a review saying, you know, buy this brand instead of Wacom. It's half the price. It's just as good. And a lot of people seem to concur. So I first bought a bigger one. And it said it was 10 inches. I thought that was the whole body was 10 inches, but it's actually just the part that picks up the stylus is 10 inches. So the whole thing was like 16 inches wide. It's way too big. Uh So I returned it and I bought a smaller one. So it's a seven inch. So that makes it about eight or nine inches wide. And it's also Bluetooth. The first one was USB. So this cost me 60 pounds. Um, the Wacom is like the double for something equivalent. These have great reviews. It's like 8,000 levels of pressure sensitivity, which I don't even think I need that. Uh, I returned the first one, got the replacement a couple of days ago, haven't gotten around to opening yet. So that's going to be one of the things I do this week. So it is an XP Pendeco Mini 7W. Nice. There are some times when I really want some sort of a, a pressure sensitive input, uh, like you said, doing dodging and burning. And for that, I. Because I use Lightroom, I will open the image in Lightroom on the iPad and use the iPad for that. But um, a lot of people, especially like retouchers, a lot of uh, landscape photographers, they're just naturally using uh, a stylus. And especially, as you said, you want to just target specific areas. You can do it with a mouse or a trackpad, but you don't really get the same feel as – having a hands-on with the stylus. Yeah. Now, I know Capture One is coming out with an iPad app soon, and Mm. then maybe it'll be possible to do this with the Apple Pencil, but I wanted to try this anyway. So I'll check back in a couple episodes, let you know how it works. Excellent. Thanks for listening to Photoactive. You can find show notes, including any photos we discuss in this episode, at photoactive.co. That's photoactive.co. We couldn't afford the M. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash photoactivecast. That's photoactivecast in one word. You can subscribe to Photoactive in your favorite podcast app or on Apple Podcasts. See the links on our website. And think about leaving us a rating or review in iTunes or in your podcast app.